not my wants, not my desires, not even my needs. But Lord, I just want more of you in my life. We should pray that to him continuously. The word this morning that God gave, the tongues and interpretations, that was perfect this morning, that we have to just press into him. He wants all of us. All we could possibly give. Think about the sacrifice he made. He gave his son to die on a cross for us to reconcile a relationship that he didn't mess up. And the only thing that I have to repay him for that with is myself. The only thing I can give him is me. But the good news is that's all that he wants. That's all that he wants is you. But he wants it to be a hundred. He doesn't want a little bit. He wants all of us. Amen. Are we willing to give him that this morning? All of us. All of us. God is so good. He says, my mic's not on, so it didn't get the podcast so far. So um, if we, we were out looking around the woods, just, just driving around the trails, and, and I saw all these flowers, and it, it's overgrown at our house. And it, you know what woods look like around in Ray County, right? There's brush, and there's briars, and there's weeds, and there's thorns. And, the, and, and yet there's still flowers everywhere. There was, there was pink flowers, and, and, and purple flowers, and yellow flowers, and there's some orange flowers with red in them that were just beautiful out there. And, and I saw another one, and there's some that look like grass, but the but the, it, it's a tall stalk that sticks up and leaves grow out each side that look like grass leaves. And, and, they're, and they're all just horizontally opposed from each other, all the leaves on it were. And, and, and this flower was just beautiful. It was orange with red on it. And I'm just telling you where I got my inspiration, at, inspiration from this week. And Brenda said, well, that one looks like a weed. And it's out of all the weeds and all the things that are going on in the world, God creates flowers, right? God can make flowers out of weeds. So um, it, it reminded me of a time, and she brought it back up again, that we were laying in our hammock, and there was a dead tree out there. We didn't know the tree was dead. It had leaves on it, red leaves on, uh, up the trunk of the tree, out every limb of it. It had these real bright, red, red, beautiful leaves on it. And we got to looking at the tree, and the more you looked at it, the more we realized that it was dead. It was a locust tree, and locust trees don't have red leaves on them, and they're not beautiful. Right? Locust trees are thorny trees. They got big, big nasty thorns on them. So it was this weed that had grown up around this tree. And even though the tree was dead, the leaves on it still looked beautiful. It made, it made the, whole, the whole tree look better, right? Sometimes God will use things that are less desirable or we consider less desirable to be the most beautiful. Yeah. Amen? God can take bad boys and turn them into good men, yeah. so to say, right? God wants to use you. He wants to use us this day. But Sister Linda, we've got to turn it all the way over to him. We've got to turn it completely over to him. In, in Luke 17, 11 through 19, it's a story about the ten lepers. It says, now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of the Samaria of Samaria and Galilee. And 12 says, then, then as he entered a certain village there, he met ten men, or met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, the reason they stood afar off is because the laws in their, in their age, when you had leprosy, you had to go live outside the city. When they discovered that you had leprosy, you lived outside, you were an outcast. You could no longer go down to the store and buy food, right? You couldn't no longer go walk through your old neighborhood anymore. Right. Amen? But you had to go live outside. So it, you, were, you were bound by the law to when you saw someone coming, you had to yell out, unclean. 
unclean and let them know that you were unclean so they didn't come within 300, uh, I think it was 300 yards of you. They couldn't come. So 900 feet, they would have to stay away from you. Can you picture that? That's less than a quarter mile, but it's two-thirds of a mile or so, something like that. Or less than a quarter mile. Two-thirds of a quarter mile, I meant to say. Um, but they, have, they would have to yell out unclean. But they had some belief. They had heard somewhere before. They'd heard this story about Jesus Christ, all the miracles that he was performing. Amen? So they said, Jesus, we heard of you and we believe in you. That's what they were saying, basically. So would you please heal us? Do something for us. Heal us, right? <clears throat> so when he saw them, 14 says, when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. You see, at this time, the priest had to decide who had leprosy and who didn't, right? So the, police, the, the priest could judge them clean again and allow them to come back into society. Amen? And so it was, and so it was that, that as they went, they were cleansed. And I want to give you some definitions today. This word cleansed here today, because there's some different words here that, that, that look kind of the same, but you might, you, might just glance, you, you might just glaze over them if you don't realize what the definitions mean. This word cleansed here means a leper to cleanse by curing. That's the first meaning of it in the Greek. It means to cleanse by curing. So this could have been salvation cleansing then, right? This could have been a soul cleansing. Cleanse from sin, right? And verse 2, or, or the second meaning of it also means to... to free from guilt of sin or to purify. So I believe they were healed, they were cleansed of the leprosy, but they were also forgiven of their sins. Amen? The Bible says if you, if you pray for the sick, they'll, they'll be forgiven and, and they'll be healed, right? They were cleansed. And in 15 says, and one of them, when he saw that, it were, that, that he was healed, a different word there is used. Now, 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 if you're taking notes, write this down. This is Greek word 2390, 2390, to cure, heal, to make whole, to set free from errors, sins, to, to bring about one's salvation, right? So they received salvation when Jesus spoke. Go free. You're healed, right? Return with a loud voice. Oh, oh, hang on a second. And one of them, when he was healed, returned with a loud voice, voice and glorified God. You notice there was 10 of them that he was speaking to, but only one of them when he was healed, when he was forgiven of his sin, when, when he was cleansed as being a leper, a leper came back and praised God because of the healing, because of the forgiveness that, he's, that he re received, right? And 16 says, and fell down on his face at his feet, at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And, and he was a Samaritan. You think he just threw that in there? He was a Samaritan, and he was a Samaritan. That wasn't just by chance, right? He was a Samaritan because a Samaritan would have been an outcast. A Samaritan, they were Jewish people, but they had married in, into uh, other regions or nations that had different gods. So they were considered outcasts, or they, look, they were looked down upon, right? And this is an important fact that he would have been an outcast, right? Because, because out of all the other men, there was 10 of them, but only the outcasts came back and, and worshiped God. Only the outcast came back and gave God the credit for it, right? 17 says, so Jesus answered and said, were not there ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Where are the rest of them? Were they not found to be returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise and go your way. Your, way. your faith has made you well, if you read the New King James. If you're looking at the King James today, it uses the word whole. Your faith has made you whole. Now, this is a different word than that word healed that we talked about earlier, which was Greek word 2390. This is Greek word 4982, and it means to save, to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, to save, to do well, to be made whole, right? Now, there, there is some speculation here because, because uh, the, the disease that he had would have caused body parts to rot off. 
right? Your nose could rot off. Your fingers might fall off. That's what leprosy was. It was like an outward form of cancer. So to be made whole, there's some speculation here. Some scholars think, think that he was made whole like the parts that had rotted off grew back on him. We don't know that to be a fact or not. We don't know if that was or not. He, but there's something for sure here. This is a different Greek word than it used earlier in the, in, in the paragraph. So at least he, he received something that was different, right? He benefited in a different way that the other nine didn't. Right. Amen? Because he came back and he praised God. I'm still talking about making roses, right? Apparently, this heal word and this whole word are two different words. So he benefited in a way that the other nine didn't benefit. Because he came back and he gave God the praise for it, right? That's just one example of what I'm trying to tell you today. God can make flowers out of the weeds. No matter where you think you're at today, how bad you think you've been, how far you think you've gone, he can make a flower out of you. Even if you haven't been nowhere but sitting right here in the church the whole time, he can make a flower out of you too. We're going to get to you in just a second, okay? But let's, let's look at our second example first. And this is in John 4, chapters 5 through 10, or verses 5 through 10, I'm sorry. <coughs> so he, Jesus, came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, now Jacob's well was there. Therefore, being weary from his journey, he sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his, for his disciples had gone away to, into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink? A Samaritan woman. You see, there was that separation there in society. They were looked down upon. They were outcasts, right? Usually Jewish people wouldn't even have went to that part. A, 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 Jew, a, a man wouldn't have approached a woman like that, especially, but, but they wouldn't have even went down there to where, the, where, the, where they would have been at because they were outcasts. Right. Amen? So there was a separation there, but Jesus, with Jesus, there's no separation. Right. It doesn't matter if you think you've been messing up. All you got to do is press into him, right? He'll forgive you. He'll put you right back on that, on, that, on that solid ground again, right? So for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, it says. And 10 says, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who, and who it was that, who was asking you, give me a drink, you would have asked him to give me you would ask him to give you living water. So it goes on, they talk about the living water, and, and, and he tells them that if you have this living water, you'll never thirst again. And I, I'm going to paraphrase some of this because it goes on for a long ways, and, and I don't have time to read it all. Um, you'll never thirst again. This living water will give you eternal life, right? She says, give me the water then, Lord. Go ahead and give it to me. And, and he said, go ahead and bring me your husband then. And he said, she said, I don't have a husband. And she said, in that you spoke right, but you've had five husbands. And the man you're living with right now, he's not your husband either. I'm just paraphrasing the verse, right? So she says, well, I discern that you must be a prophet then. You must know, to, to be able to know these things, you must be a prophet, right? So she questioned him. She said, you know, my descendants, my descendants have worshipped here on this mountain, but, but, but the Jewish people say that we have to go to Jerusalem. So which is it? And then Jesus winds up telling her that he is the Christ. He's the one that they've been looking for. He's the one they've been waiting on, right? And then his disciples show back up. In the middle of this conversation, his disciples show back up with food, and they start trying to get him to eat food. And he said, I got food that you know nothing about. Amen. You all have read this. You've, most of you have read this chapter before, right? So in John 4 and 39, the lady apparently gets up and leaves somewhere in this thing because it says, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. In the voice translation, it says, the whole village of Sychar was transformed. 
I want you to think about that for just a second. It goes on to say, he told me all that I ever did. He to she told her testimony, one testimony. One woman was all he was speaking to, right? It says the whole village of Sychar believed on him. The whole village was transformed. The whole village was changed. Do you think that was just for that day? I believe there are probably still people in that region that are living for Jesus Christ because of that one woman's testimony. If it changed the whole village, think about it, Brother Stephen. You want your family saved. It's about our testimony. It's about us being a flower. It's about us being the salt and the light, right? You may say, Pastor, that doesn't speak to me because I've never, I've never been an outcast. I've lived in the church. This is for you. Acts 9, 1 through 6. It says, in verse 9, it says, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Oh, and I got the wrong one. Can anybody read that? Do you have it in your Bible? I can look it up real quick. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. I copied the wrong ones. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Now he knows he's the Lord, right? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And what he was talking about there on a goad, when they would hook a wagon up to a, to a, a drawbar or a, a, a cart, they would put... In the King James, it says pricks, but they would put spikes on the back of there so that when the, when the animal kicked against it, it would be discomforting for them, and they would stop doing that. So he said, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then he said to him, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. We're talking about the conversion from Saul into Paul, right? Saul had a, you say, well, he wasn't in the church, but he was in the church. He had a great education. Amen? He, he, he was right up there with the Sanhedrin. But he was blinded in this very instant. I think that so many times, I, I never got this till this time when I was studying it. He, uh, I think there's a reason why God blinded him. It wasn't just to blind him to, to, to make him stop doing what he's doing, but, but he had to get him to quit looking at his education, get him to quit looking at his ability, what he could do, what he could perform, the things that he could get done. And when he was blinded, he was put in place, right? He was checked in that. So Paul was blinded. He, he couldn't look at his status or his education because he was blind. He had to be led out of there. The other men didn't see what happened either that day. So he, he was a leader in the church, right? It seemed like he had it all together. He had it all going on, but he didn't have that relationship. He hadn't turned it all over to God yet, right? <clears throat> he was just like the Sanhedrin without a relationship. They were against God. They were opposed to Jesus, right? Then he goes in and, and, and Ananias prays for him. It says something like scales falls off his eyes. And then Saul goes out and preaches to all of Asia in three years. Walking on foot, right? He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I'm still talking about making flowers out of weeds. God can make flowers out of weeds. God used them all. He used the two outcasts. He used the one that, that, that was set against him. And there's many, many more stories like this in the Bible. This is just a few examples, right? He used them, and he used their story. He used their testimony. He still used it. I mean, if, if the lady at the well hadn't went and testified and the village transformed, we probably wouldn't hear about her in the Bible. Amen? If the leper wouldn't have came back praising God, we probably wouldn't hear about him in the Bible. If Paul had, had had this encounter with Jesus and, and then went on and kept, and kept persecuting the church, 
He probably wouldn't have wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. We wouldn't hear about them. He used them, and he, and, and he used their stories. Church, he wants to use you today. Right. He wants to use your story. He wants us to testify. He wants us to tell of what he's done for us. Yes. He wants us to tell of our encounters with him, right? Yes. God wants to use you, but you can settle for what you can get out of him. Think about that, because that's right where a lot of us live at. We want a healing. We want to be delivered, right? We want to get a little touchy-feely sometimes. We want to come to church and we want to feel the anointing, but we want to go back out and live however we want to live. We don't want it to cost us very much. We want to continue to go to the, do the same things we've been doing, right? But it's the ones who are sold out. That's the ones he wants to use, the ones that are sold out. Those are the flowers right there. Ask yourself this today. Why do you want to have a revival? We're getting ready to have a revival, and I've heard a lot of excitement about it, but why do you want to have a revival? I know why I want to have a revival. I know why we're having one, but why do you want to have a revival? Is it just to go get touchy-feely with God a little bit and, and, and then continue to live the, the same way? Think about it, church. Or do you want your life to change? Do you want to look more like what, what he has for you? More what he wants us to look like? Are you willing to change your life? Are you willing to live differently than you've been living? Without compromise. Because we get so hung up in the compromise, Right? So many times we're compromising. <clears throat> God wants to use us. He has a plan, right? He will use us. But the compromise will get in the way. Examine yourself today. I don't expect anybody to answer me. Are you giving God your best? He gave his best. He sent his son to do what he did for us. That we could be saved, that we could be reconciled. Nothing else that we could possibly do on this earth would be worthy to give back to him for that sacrifice he made. Nothing. What do you have to give God? I don't care if you got a little money, if you got a few things. What your social status is. Who cares? What do you got to give God today? We say we want this relationship. We say we want this revival. The revival has to start here first. What do you have to give to him besides yourself? That's all he wants. That's all he wants is you. But he doesn't want this little dabble, do you, though? He wants it all. Right. He wants it all, right? <clears throat> God's glorified when the, when the flowers come out of the weeds. Amen? He's glorified. But there can't be any compromise in his church. You see, the world's already seen way too many Christians with compromise. That's not what they're looking for. We want to see family saved. We want to see souls saved. We want to see the kingdom furthered. They've already seen compromise. They know what that's about. They want to see something different. They want to see something completely different, right? Compromise usually happens in small increments. We may not have got where we're at by, by compromising, making one. You know, usually you're not, you're not on the straight and narrow with God. You're not all sold out, and then, and then you go and have a, an affair. It doesn't usually happen that way. It usually starts out with looking at inappropriate things, going to the wrong kind of sites, confiding in the opposite gender, telling them how bad your home life is, building inappropriate friendships, and then the affair happens. You follow what I'm saying? It's a slow thing, right? It happens in small increments, right? Is it worth it? The compromise we've been living with, that we've been dealing with, that we've made okay? Is it worth it? 
to visit that secret site that nobody knows about? Is it worth it? Sacrifice and anointing off your life for that? What about the one night stand? Is it worth it? You think, I don't, I don't deal with those preachers. What about compromising just a little bit? What about just watching movies with foul words in them? What about watching scary movies that, 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 that have demon possession and things to do in them? What about that? Is that okay? What about gossip, church? What about judgment or being judgmental or being critical? Think about these things. The interesting fa- An interesting fact is that many species must flower to produce fruit. You take a tomato, a tomato doesn't just pop out on the vine one day. There comes a little flower on there, right? It's a time of preparation. There's a little flower that comes, and it has, it has the pollen, and it has the, the little stem in there, and the, and the bee comes by and pollinates that thing, and then the tomato grows and produces much more fruit. Out of that one little seed, you get thousands of seeds, maybe millions of seeds. I don't know a lot, right? A pear, a pear tree, if it doesn't flower, it's not going to produce fruit. A cucumber, it gets those big, pretty yellow flowers on it. And if you don't have any flowers, you're never going to have any fruit. God can make flowers out of weeds. Consider God's thoughts towards you. Because so many times we think, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not equipped for that. I can't. Moses stuttered. I can't do it, God. I'm not well-spoken. There's no way I can do that thing. I'm not brave enough. I'm not bold enough. Remember that old song, Excuses, Excuses? You hear them every day, the church will provide, or the devil will provide if the church will stay away. Think about what God thinks about you. Stop, stop opening your mouth and saying what you think about yourself or what other people have told you about yourself. Think about what God thinks about you. Exactly. Think about that. He created you perfectly. And when you're speaking all those negative things, you're speaking out against God and his creation with just exactly the way he created you for such a purpose as he called you for, right? Think about what God thinks that you're capable of. Not what he thinks you're capable of, what he knows that you're capable of. Think about that. There's no excuse not to step out into whatever he has us to do. There's no excuse to not be a flower. Because God's got a plan, right? Compare that with what you think you're capable of. Vast difference there, right? And then when you're thinking these things and you're speaking these things, the devil's going to jump on you. Believe me, he'll agree with you. He will agree with you. He wants to beat you up, knock you down, keep you in the mental arena. arena. And that's what he's doing when he speaks to you. And he puts those thoughts, you're not good enough, you're not bold enough. Right? All those things he puts into us. I was struggling with this last night. I mean, struggling hard last night. And Brenda said, why are Saturdays so difficult? God called you to do this. You already know, right? He picked me. Out of everybody he could have picked to come here to Grace Family and pastor this church, he chose me. And I'm not saying that to say that I'm special, but I'm special to God. And he made me for such a time as this. He could have chosen anybody. Right? Anybody else could have stepped in the place where God wanted it to work, and it may not have worked. But because he chose me, it did work. It it is working, right? So why is it so difficult? The first thing I said when he called me to preach, the little voice inside of me said, you're going to preach. I said, oh, no, God, not me. Do you know what I did last night? Think about it. Some of you are there right now. Do you know where I'm living at, God? There's no way I can step out and do the things you want me to do. There's no way I can be that leader. There's no way I can give my testimony, Lord. Do you know where I live? Do you know what I do? Think about it. He knows everything. You're not surprising him with any of that, right? He delivers, though, every Sunday morning. 
Every Sunday morning, he gives me a message. Even if it doesn't look right to me, if I, if I don't know how I'm going to come through with it, I don't have to. He does. And he does it every time. He doesn't bring us out somewhere to ever leave us. Amen. If God's calling you into something, if God wants to make you into a flower, he's not going to leave you there on your own. He says he'll, his word says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll be right there by your side. He'll be right there by your side, right? I thought I had gotten past all this stuff on Saturday night things, but apparently I didn't because I struggled with it again this week. And, and not that I thought that I was good enough. It's that I was learning to trust on him, trust in him. Because I've struggled for, I've been here for seven years. We've been here for seven years, and I've struggled every, every Saturday night for seven years. Except when I'm on vacation and Brother Birch is here, I don't have to worry about then. Because I know I got more confidence in Brother Birch than I have in myself. Amen? Any of y'all live there? I thought I'd gotten past it, but, but apparently he had to show me again, right? So what if I didn't show up one Sunday morning? What if I just wasn't here? You came here and the doors were still locked, and the first one of you got here that had a key, you opened up the door and you came in, and how would it go? Think about the people that might be here today that are ready to give their hearts to God, that God's, God's, God has in place for me to come in contact with them to be able to give them the preached word. Or someone to encourage through the week. Or someone who's thinking about quitting the church, but, but they didn't because they got some encouragement this week or they got fed. The people who are young and they're hungry and, and, and they're being fed and, and they're mature and they're rapidly growing. What about them if I just didn't show up this day? It's awful quiet in here. I'm not saying just me. I'm not saying it because I'm anything special. That would be a lot of missed opportunities, right? A lot of missed opportunities. What if you don't follow the leading of the Spirit? It's easy to talk about me because you can see the position that I stay in, that I have to come in and bring the, bring the preach word and, and, and feed the sheep, right? But what about you? Right. The position you're in, you're going to meet people that I never meet, right? right? What if you don't follow the leading of the Spirit? Or what if this? What if you've been compromising? When it comes time to give your testimony, they already know how you've been living. Think about it. What if it's at your family reunion? But they've already seen you with a drink in your hand. Yeah. They already know the kind of sights you go to. Yeah. They already know the things that's been going on in your life that you've been allowing to happen. What if it's at work or school, right? What if it's in the church? What if God calls you to, to, to come down and pray with someone who's ready to give their heart to God today, but they saw you drinking in the restaurant last night? Yeah. They going to take you serious? Yeah. No. A little compromise is going to cost you a whole lot. Yeah. Amen. What about at home? What are our kids seeing out of us? What are our nieces and nephews seeing out of us? You know, it's your home. You get to set the standard. We get to set the standard, right? All these opportunities everywhere. We, God's called us to preach at this church, and, and Brenda tells our kids all the time, you don't get a free ride to heaven because your dad's a pastor. It would be a shame if I helped how many ever people get to heaven, countless people. I have no idea how many get to heaven or give their hearts to God or, or introduce them to Jesus and lose one of my own children. Yeah. You see, it's my house and I get to set the standard. Yeah. Doesn't matter who else likes it besides my wife, but we're in agreement. We're one. Doesn't matter if my kids don't like coming to church. Doesn't matter if they don't like having family nights or sitting down and turning off all the electronics while we have the dinner. Doesn't matter if they like those things because we pay the bills. We get to set the standards, right? What happens if God calls you to pray, pray with someone or, or lead somebody to him, right? 
Or just to be a flower in the world, in a world full of weeds. There's plenty of weeds out there. There's plenty of compromise out there. God's called us to be something special. Each and every one of us. It's not just about the pastor. It's not just about my wife. It's not just about Brother Stephan, the youth pastor. It's not just about the drummer on the platform. We're all part of this body. We all have a role to play. Wouldn't you agree? God can make us all into flowers. We could just be this beautiful patch of flowers over here. We could, all, we could be yellow flowers and purple flowers or red flowers and, and you name it, right? When people look, when you, when you see a patch of flowers, what do you do? You look back again, don't you? Especially when you're in the middle of all the weeds, you'll look over. I do. I, I look over and notice the flowers and I might even walk up to them and, 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 and see all the detail in the little flowers. We all have different details, you know. We all have different walks of life. Sometimes I'll even smell one of them. I want to know a little more about them. Church, if we were a patch full of flowers, people would want to know a little more, more about us. Amen. Amen? Could we surrender completely to God today? Remember the tongues and interpretations that came forth earlier? Just give it all to Him. Turn yourself over to Him. Does it matter how bad you've been, who you think you are, how good you are, how good you think you are? Turn it over to Him. Surrender to him completely today. Maybe you're here today and you don't know him. I'm glad I didn't drive my car. <laughs> Maybe you're here today and you don't know him. Now's your chance. This is your opportunity. Could I get every, bed, every head bowed and every eye closed? If you're here today and this spoke to you, please pray. Please make a new commitment with God. Please sell out to him 100%. 100%. 99, 99's not good enough. Not for what he's done for us. 100% sell out. If you're here today and you don't know God personally, I'm talking about personally. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you asked him to, to save you when you were a kid, but you've, you've not been living right. If that's you today, I'm talking to you. Saints, pray with me. I'm talking to you today if that's you. If you're here and that's you and you're ready to make a commitment, you're ready to get to know this God that I'm talking about, you want, him, you, you want your life to be turned into a flower, you want to produce different fruit than you're having in your life right now, you're not happy with where you're at, if that's you today, would you come to the altar? Would you come to the altar? Don't worry about what the people around you are thinking. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I know your son Jesus died on a cross for me. I know you rose him from the dead. I know he's coming back for me. Please live in my heart. Lead me and guide me the rest of my days. Thank you, Lord, for these souls. Lord, we thank you, Daddy, that you've added to your kingdom today, Father God. We just praise you, Lord. We magnify your holy name, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would just grow us, Lord, mature us, Father God. Lord, cause us to want to be fruitful in your kingdom, Daddy. We thank you for this, Daddy, and we praise you, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would just show fruit, Lord, from this praise that we had today, Father God. Lord, from this word that you gave to Brother Stephan, Lord, for this tongues and interpretations, Lord, that you've, that you've given to these ladies, Lord. I thank you for this, Daddy. We praise you, Father. Lord, I pray that it would take root in our hearts, Lord, and it would spring forward a bountiful harvest in this church, Lord, in our lives, Lord, in our families. Lord, I pray that you would show us souls saved for your kingdom, Lord. I know that you have great things in store for us, Daddy, and I praise you for them, Father God. Lord, we just magnify your name today, Lord. 
Please keep us safe, Lord. Lead us and guide us, Lord. Bring us back here on Wednesday, Father God, with a guest, Father. Bringing souls into your kingdom, Lord. Winning souls, Daddy, for your kingdom, Father. Oh, we pray this to you in Jesus' name, Father. Amen.